Hi, this is Mo Maduro with the Life Expansion After 50 podcast. Today's episode is the third in the series, mapping the success principles over to what's going on in the unconscious. We're starting off this week with gratitude journaling. You've heard that journaling is a great exercise for getting rid of anxiety or managing your anxiety, helping modulate your emotions. I 100% concur. There's a lot of value in journaling. It crystallizes thought. It's also getting one of your senses involved, the kinesthetic sense of touch. Your unconscious tends to be real focused on the senses. And by, by writing, you're able to remember things. And a lot of times if you've taken notes, you can recall information just by, by writing. So you, I like to do that. Sometimes I'll actually draw when I'm doing a, a, an event because the drawing helps me pull in remembrances. I've taken a lot of notes and seminars and all that, and it comes, comes back in very easily. So uh, write down daily things you're grateful for. This practice reinforces your focus on the positive aspects of life. It, there's one... This one is a little obvious, but if you think of the unconscious as a reactive entity, anyone who thrives on reaction typically doesn't like shining a light on behavior or getting into critical thinking. I believe, and this is a most say, but the act of journaling slows things down a little bit and lets us look at our reactive patterns. That shined light can result in as a pattern interrupt by itself. In addition, you can introduce a few minutes into your meditation where you acknowledge the behaviors you no longer want to do. Visualize yourself catching yourself in the act and then follow with that positive visualization. So sometimes journaling can work in concert with that by identifying things that you, behaviors that you want to change. Release resistance. Let go of doubts and resistance. Trust the process and timing of your outcomes. Now this one can be one of the harder ones to let go of. I remember the inner game of tennis stressed this, letting go, but then you talk to great players and they talk about raising the level of their game at different points in the match. So in one respect, there's this idea that we will naturally push back against any resistance, but giving the resistance of uh, too much concern or too much attention makes it more familiar, again, like negative goal setting. So keep the positive picture in mind, accept that timelines come and go, And think of it more like the baby learning to walk. You don't fail. You just learn what doesn't work and refine what does. There's an old little exercise we do in facilitating seminars. You put your hands together like this. So you're on audio. I've got my hands sort of in a praying mode. My fingertips are pointing straight up to the sky. My palms are touching. Fingers are touching. My forearms are horizontal. And you tell the person on a count of three, I want you to push as hard as you can with your right hand. And most people will push as hard as they can with the right and automatically push back on the left. When in reality, what should happen is when they push with the right, it just goes over to the side because there is no pushing from the left. And it's just to illustrate how easy it is to resist. It's just natural when you feel any kind of pressure, we push back on it. The next one is embrace patience. Understand that manifestation takes time. Practice patience and trust that things are unfolding as they should. Now, that word manifestation, I'm using that in the success principle because that's how it's written. It's sort of a law of attraction thing. The opposite of patience can be chaos. A state of chaos is not known for delivering breakthrough results. Of course, it can happen, but I like to make plans on the general rule, not the exception. A technique I used when selling, if I start to feel a little sale that's starting to slip away, I remember selling life insurance, I would get like a little perspiration on my temples, it felt like. 
And what I would do is simply visualize the person writing out the check. Now, normally this was a sale I felt was a good match for the person. I don't use pressure tactics, but I felt like it was a good match for the person. And it was starting to slip away because they people get doubts, right? And then I would just visualize them signing the check. And inevitably what would happen is I would start to come up with the things to say. I would remember something that they said and I just would relax. So that's an idea of letting go. I would just put the picture out there and then I would just relax and let go, knowing that that picture is going to come to to pass versus resisting it and pushing back on it. And then you're keeping the picture of not making the sale in your mind. I did the same thing with motorcycle trips. When I was on a long trip, sometimes you're on the motorcycle seven to 10 hours in a day, your mind wanders, something almost happens, you, you near miss, whatever. It's very easy to start thinking about something could happen. You start thinking about, suppose I get cut off and you start having these gamification going on, like you're trying to think about it, but that's not the time to think about it. What I would do in those circumstances, I would just picture myself arriving home in my driveway. Now, two or three days later, usually it's a multi-day trip, and I would just imagine myself pulling into my driveway, my kids coming out, greeting me, I'm smiling, they're smiling. And again, you're taking that tension away. Now, is there any woo-woo there? No. What I'm doing is I'm relaxing myself. I'm taking the anxiety away so I have all of my resources available. Just like when people say they play loose. They want to play loose because they have all their resources available to them. If they're tense, then they're not going to be able to, to make the moves that are necessary. It may not sound a lot like patience, but it is letting go and it's similar you know, to the resistance one, I think. The next one is act as if. And you've heard me say before, it's easier to act yourself into a new way of feeling than it is to feel yourself into a new way of acting. And you've heard the thing, act as if, fake it till you make it. Again, there's no woo-woo. It's just behave as if you've already achieved the goals. Remember, the unconscious doesn't know the difference between uh, imagined and real. And by stepping into it like you've already done it, this creates a resonance with your desired reality. When you think of 100 billion neurons, you can see the benefit of acting as if because the other neurons start to get on board. The neurons don't want you to fail. They don't want the unfamiliar, but once you step into the unfamiliar, they're going to do everything they can to make you successful. Now, I do believe there's a critical mass factor as well. What I mean by that is once you get enough neurons on board, it seems it just gets easier. Another phenomenon is when I set a new goal. Now, like clockwork, there are usually one or two immediate obstacles that come into play. Inconveniences, some kind of an obstacle. Decades ago, I thought I was doing this to myself, some sort of a lack of mindfulness or something. Now I believe it can be something as simple as the obstacles or issues, they were always there. But remember, if the unconscious can process at 11 million bits per second and the conscious is only processing at 50 bits per second, you can see a lot is being filtered out. So the issues, the obstacles, they've always been there. I just didn't notice them. And once I set the goal and I start making progress towards it, they show up into my consciousness, but they were always there. That's just a guess. It supports the point of acting as if. I just want to make the point that I have enough belief and evidence on this that I don't think there's anything woo-woo going on there. But a lot of people who are big into goal setting will tell you the same thing. They set a goal and they, they just know an obstacle is coming. I say we see the obstacle. We just didn't see it before. Use meditation. Regular meditation calms your mind, enhances your focus, and opens you to receive guidance from within. Meditation may be one of the most important tools, but not just meditation to achieve that state of bliss. Like I said, Emily Fletcher in her book, Ziva Meditation, says we don't meditate to get good at meditating, we meditate to get good at life. 
between removing limiting beliefs and installing empowering ones and using meditation to one, create a buffer between the conscious and the unconscious, and two, to create pattern interrupts so that you catch the unwanted behavior before it even comes out. I think those are two powerful tools of meditation. And another one, obviously, is going to be just spending more time in, in, in less than a beta state, alpha, theta, where things are common that's going to help you with your health. Emily Fletcher in her book goes through a litany of benefits of meditating. I mean, it's just, it's endless. At this point in my life, I find it most useful getting that buffer between the conscious and the unconscious. I think all of that comes into play. And whether you do that through meditation or some other way, you're going to have less stress and less stress is better for you, your body, your mental health and everything. Eventually, the buffer stays from meditation to meditation and you're spending more time in that alpha and possibly even theta state, which is like hypnosis. And so your suggestions go in faster. The next one is foster belief in yourself. This one's pretty obvious and it goes along with getting rid of the limiting beliefs and replacing them with empowering beliefs, but believe that you're deserving and capable of achieving your goals. Belief drives mindset, habit, priming, even setting of the vision in the first place. If you have enough belief, your vision is going to be higher. We also need to act on that belief. Now, Claude Bristol wrote in the 50s, The Magic of Believing, a fascinating book, probably ahead of its time. And he gives so many examples. He really took it to the, to the next level with this book. Placebos also work through belief. Bruce Lipton in his book, The Biology of Belief, maintains that we can change our internal environment, which can impact the genetic expression with beliefs. So there's a lot to be said around beliefs. They're hard to change, but there's a lot to be said for it. And if genes changing their expression can cause cancer and it can lengthen the telomeres on DNA, which actually has the effect of having people function like they're younger, then I think we need to lean into understanding how to change your beliefs, how to recognize limiting beliefs. And there are exercises that you can do to do that. But I think it's best to have some kind of a coach or something, a friend to just listen to you or even record yourself talking. I had one of my clients do that, just listen to the recording. They were very, very surprised at how much of a fixed mindset they had because they were in the emotion. And the emotion was driving the conversation instead of their rational brain. And so this is a back to the know and not do. So the rational brain had a, a growth mindset, but the emotion that was being driven, that was driving it all, was definitely fixed. And it was good for them to hear that. It wasn't intended, it just, they, they listened to the recording and that was an outcome. The last one we'll do today is seek inspiration. Read books, listen to podcasts, or watch videos that inspire you and align with your goals. This is another no-brainer one. Surrounding yourself with positives has to help. It'll take it. I'll take it a step further. Most people have experienced going to a motivational seminar. You're on top of the world when you first come out, but by the next morning, we're back to our old selves. By meditating, in addition to the positive exposure and reminding yourself of who you no longer want to be, this makes stepping into your future and feeling all that emotion more, more real. In doing this, you're decreasing the amount of time the old neurons are front and center. Likewise, the more you can live the life you design the less the old personality will be taking over these random moments. This is a big reason for the meditation approach I offered earlier. You want the thing you desire to be familiar enough when you see it. And this is why in the meditation, you want to spend some time experiencing how that's going to be once it's available to you, once you actually have it, and then spend a little bit of time acknowledging who you no longer want to be as the pattern interrupt. 
The next one, we'll start off with staying open to opportunities. Pretty straightforward. We'll see you next time. 